Hello, I'm Jesse Walls from Eagle Hawk Presbyterian Church. We're a church seeking to make disciple-making disciples of Jesus. Thank you to Life FM for continuing to host us. Today, as we look to God's Word, our reading is Psalm 72. So you can begin looking that up now. This sermon was recorded live at Eagle Hawk Presbyterian Church. So let's read Psalm 72. Of Solomon. Give the king your justice, O God, and your righteousness to the royal son. May he judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. Let the mountains bear prosperity for the people and the hills in righteousness. May he defend the cause of the poor of the people, give deliverance to the children of the needy, and crush the oppressor. May they fear you while the sun endures, and as long as the moon throughout all generations. May he be like rain that falls on the mown grass, like showers that water the earth. In his days may the righteous flourish and peace abound till the moon be no more. May he have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. May desert tribes bow down before him and his enemies lick the dust. May the kings of Tarshish and of the coastlands render him tribute. May the kings of Sheba and Seba bring gifts. May all kings fall down before him, all nations serve him. For he delivers the needy when he calls, the poor and him who has no helper. He has pity on the weak and the needy, and saves the lives of the needy. From oppression and violence he redeems their life, and precious is their blood in his sight. Long may he live, may gold of Sheba be given to him, may prayer be made for him continually, and blessings invoked for him all the day. May there be abundance of grain in the land, on the tops of the mountains may it wave, may its fruit be like Lebanon, and may people blossom in the cities like the grass of the field. May his name endure forever, his fame continue as long as the sun. May people be blessed in him, all nations call him blessed. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and Amen. The prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are ended. Well, in six days... I, and I'm sure many of you, will be watching the coronation of our King, Charles III. His mother, Queen Elizabeth II, was loved the world over, and her coronation was 70 years ago this June, the only coronation so far of an English monarch to be televised. But soon, we'll have the second and given that it's set to begin at about 8pm in Australia, I'm very glad that it's been trimmed down from the three hours that Elizabeth's was down to one hour. In the little bit of research that I've done, I've seen the St Edward's crown that Charles will wear and, the, uh, and Queen Mary's crown, which Camilla will wear, I've discovered that the St. Edward's crown is topped with an orb and a cross, 
symbolising the Christian world. The same imagery is used with the sovereign's orb. I don't know if you've seen that uh, pictures of that. Uh, and there's the sovereign's scepter with a dove on top as well. Uh, one of two scepters that will be used. This one representing the king's spiritual role. And it leaves you wondering what kind of a king will Charles be? Yes, he holds a figurehead role, both politically and spiritually in the uh, Church of England, but still, how will he conduct himself? Will he be someone the people love? Will he be the kind of king the people want? But people are fickle. What they want at one moment differs from the next. One generation is different to another. A more important question is, what king do we need? Solomon, the king who started so wise, tells us about the king we should be longing for, what he wanted to be. Solomon tells us God's son brings God's blessing. First, he brings justice for the needy. Second, he brings abundance to his people. Third, he brings his rule everywhere. And because of these three points, God's son, the king, brings God's blessing. So let's look at that first point of blessing that God's son brings. The king brings justice for the needy in verses 1 to 4 and verses 12 to 14. So have a look at verse 1. Verse 1, give the king your justice, O God, and your righteousness to the royal son. Now, this is a prayer of King Solomon, and he longs to be a king of justice. Remember, this isn't some constitutional monarchy where the crown's powers are severely limited. Kings at this time ruled however they wanted. They just needed to make sure that all the other powerful people in the kingdom were happy and wouldn't start a coup. But Solomon knew that the king in Israel was God's son. That's what God told David in 2 Samuel 7 when making a covenant with him. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. The king of God's people was considered God's son. Not a member of the Trinity, but someone with a special covenantal relationship with God. He was to imitate God as he ruled God's people. And so Solomon prayed that God would give the king, his son, justice and righteousness. Because that's the kind of God he was, and that's the kind of king he wanted for his people. 
With his power, he wasn't to abuse the poor and take what wasn't his. You might have some powerful people in mind even now who haven't lived up to those verses. Look at verse 2. May he judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. In verse 4, he's to defend the cause of the poor, give deliverance to the needy and crush their oppressor. Now, to a certain degree, the English royal family, and I'm sure other royal families, they try to live up to the spirit of these verses. But it can't be the same because the ancient kings often acted as judges. They were the high court. Cases would come to them and they would need to make decisions on justice. Today, the royal family instead is involved with various charities and and community organisations. The king himself is the patron of charities like Action Aid, Fighting Global Poverty. He's also the patron of Abbeyfield, a charity providing housing and support or care for older people. See, the royal family, they're showing care and compassion like Psalm 70, like the Psalm 72 king. Look at verse 13. He has pity on the weak and the needy and saves the lives of the needy. But while the royal family, they try to better the lives of the less fortunate through various charities, going to their events and and highlighting their work, the king of this psalm is focused on protecting the needy from oppression. Verse 14, from oppression and violence, He redeems their life, and precious is their blood in his sight. Solomon isn't talking about wealth redistribution. He's not talking about charities. He's talking about protecting the weak from oppression. He obeys the law of Moses, which says, you shall not pervert the justice due to the poor in his lawsuit, and you shall take no bribe. People complain that there's one set of rules for the rich and another for the rest of us. See, they can afford the very best of lawyers and they can drag the process out, bleeding their opponents of money as they need to pay lawyer fees and and other court costs. It's not fair. And the king isn't to give in to that. And Jesus doesn't. He hates the oppression of the poor. And that's why he came. To rescue his people from their oppression. See, Charles has had various ranks in the armed forces of various nations, most of them honorary. But Jesus fought the greatest battle that there has ever been for the freedom of his people. The book of Hebrews says the devil had the power of death 
And through fear of death, we were subject to lifelong slavery. But on the cross, sin, death and the devil were defeated. Our greatest oppressors have been crushed, though they wanted to crush us. Paul in Colossians says he disarmed the rulers and the authorities, putting them to open shame by the cross. His death was the victory. His death brought us life. The death of the innocent king for the forgiveness and eternal life of his guilty and sinful people. At the cross, justice and righteousness was done. Deliverance was achieved. His needy people had their oppressor crushed. God's son brings God's blessing. He brings justice for the needy and he is risen, reigning for eternity. And how else does God's Son bring God's blessing? We see that in our second heading, verses 5 to 7 and verses 15 to 17. The King brings abundance to his people. Just look at verses 5 to 7. Just look at those verses. How do you feel when you read... May he be like rain that falls on the mown grass, like showers that water the earth. Don't you just long for that? Don't you long for this king? This king which Solomon wants to be himself, but which he fails to be? See, only God can provide this king. The kind of king who brings justice for the needy. And so verse 5, God is worthy of fear and honour and praise while the sun endures and as long as the moon throughout all generations. See, this king is yet another reason to praise God eternally. But, unfortunately, good kings die. And it's anyone's guess whether the king after them will bring blessing. And we know, looking just at Solomon, that even those kings who start off well don't always keep it up for the rest of their lives. A brief look at English history tells us that even even royal houses die. One line comes to an end or is defeated in battle Elizabeth I, the virgin queen from the house of Tudor, dies. And so the throne passes to her cousin, James, inaugurating the House of Stuart. We've only known the House of Windsor, but it's not eternal. One day it may fall. One day the United Kingdom might become a republic. Who knows? But we do know that Charles won't live forever. He isn't the king 
of verse 7. In his days may the righteous flourish and peace abound till the moon be no more. Solomon longs for the eternal king. And why wouldn't you? Look at the abundance that this king will bring. Verse 15, there will be gold from Sheba. Now, Solomon had the queen of Sheba come and give him expensive gifts, and there's going to be more when this eternal king comes. In verse 16, we find an abundance of grain, even on the tops of the mountains. There will be no one lacking under this king. The people would blossom. It would be paradise. Now, over the years, we've seen the price of everything go up with shortages around the nation. Lettuce, I think, is the most recent nationwide shortage. Maybe there's been something else. But even, even KFC had to find alternatives. Over COVID, we've had shortages on toilet paper and tissues and hand sanitizer. Supermarkets put limits on how many of certain items you could buy. But under this eternal king, God's people would know no lack. They would blossom and flourish as grain and gold abound. And where do we find this blessing? Who is the king? Who is God's son who brings abundance to his people? Well, Paul says in Ephesians 1 verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. See, God promised Abraham a great name and that in him all the nations would be blessed. And here's Jesus with the greatest name at which every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. And in this king we find blessing. In Christ, we are given everything that truly matters in eternity, which will never be taken away. See, the house of Windsor may end, but our adoption by God will never end. He has redeemed us by his blood. He has forgiven us. He has lavished God's love upon us. Can you imagine that? I love that word, lavish. The love of the eternal God has been lavished on us to overflowing like a bath which hasn't had the water turned off. The plug is in, the water's going, and the bath is overflowing. That is God's love for us. But it's not only these intangible things that he gives us. He gives us the money which is in our bank accounts and the food in our homes, the cars we came to church in. And while we have shortages in this world, when our king returns, this will be a world 
without lack. No one hungry. The creation won't be groaning under the curse, but released, free to be productive like it hasn't been since the very beginning. This is the king our God has given us and the blessings he has and he will provide. He brings justice and he brings abundance to his people. And that brings us to the centre of this psalm. God's son brings God's blessing and verses 8 to 11 tell us the king brings his rule everywhere. Just imagine what these words must have sounded like to Israel as they would sing these words at the temple. Verse 8, may he have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. These are the kinds of words which would have staggered your average Israelite. See, they knew the boundaries of the land that God had promised to Abraham. And during Solomon's reign, Israel was at the height of its power with its borders, the, the biggest that they would ever be. But now... Solomon is praying for the dominion of God's Son to be worldwide. That the river, that's, that's Euphrates River, wouldn't just be the border, the boundary of Israel, but just its beginning, extending from the river to the ends of the earth. Now, a kingdom like that would be hard to maintain. A lot of politics and, and culture to consider. But see the rest of the verses in this stanza. Desert tribes bowing before him. Not picking up their spears, not rejecting his rule, bowing before the king who reigns from Zion. The kings of Tarshish and the coastlands giving him tribute. Kings of Sheba and Seba giving gifts. All kings falling before him. All nations serving him. Can you imagine it? Universal power. Total submission by all nations. People in the deserts and the coastlands and everywhere in between. People bowing to the king. To God's Son. In the 19th and the early 20th centuries, the British Empire was the largest empire in history. It ruled over 23% of the world's population. As it explored, it it conquered and it claimed territory, its wealth grew, it dominated the seas. And you can imagine the kind of pride that the English would have had. A kind of pride which is even greater than what Australians have. How easy is it for us to assume that what we have is going to continue forever? 
we're an island continent, out of the way, we feel stable. Even as we see wars throughout the world and still we, we can't imagine war actually coming here. We can't seriously imagine a day like the book Tomorrow When the War Began, with Australia invaded and, and borders suddenly drawn down between the middle of our island. England dominated the world, but it couldn't last. But Solomon prays for this king that it would last. That, verse 9, his enemies lick the dust. He wants the enemies of God to be utterly destroyed, humiliated, defeated, down in the dust in shame. Now, that should point us back to the garden where God cursed the serpent. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, you shall bruise his heel. God's son brings God's blessing. And one of those blessings that he brings is his own rule. Absolutely everywhere. Unchallenged. And you might wonder, how does that bless us? But when you remember that we have a powerful enemy, you become thankful beyond imagining for the good and the kind rule of this eternal son. You rejoice that Satan has been defeated ultimately at the cross. His head was bruised. It was crushed. And while, like a poisonous serpent, he did strike at Jesus and killed him, still that strike was his own death blow. And plus, Jesus didn't stay dead. The great battle has been fought, and at the coming again of this king, the great enemy, who at the moment is limping around, roaring like a lion, eager to devour people because he knows that his time is short, this great enemy will be thrown into the lake of fire to suffer for eternity. This Son of God, who brings his rule everywhere, will be unchallenged. Meaning those of us who have bowed the knee to him will willingly, who bowed the knee to him willingly and joyfully, repenting of our sin, our sin of ruling our own lives and thinking that we can do it all without Jesus, without submitting to him, we will enjoy safety and freedom under his loving and caring rule. God's Son brings God's blessing and he does that by bringing his rule everywhere. There's nowhere we'll be outside his rule and protection. And so how should we respond to this prayer for a king who brings justice to the needy, abundance 
to his people and who brings his rule everywhere. Well, we should rejoice that the king has come. We have a king who is far greater than Charles. The Lord Jesus has come. While we honour King Charles III, we remember that our ultimate loyalty is to the King of Kings. We cry with Solomon in verses 18 and 19, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. However we feel about Charles, whether we'd vote yes to becoming a republic or not, we bless our God that he has done wondrous things. He sent his son. His son left the glories of heaven, the place of honour. Though he was rich, This king became poor, born in a stable, so that we in our poverty might become rich. The king went to the cross to bring God's blessing. We were under the curse of death. We have all sinned against God and deserved his judgment. The king took our curse. The king took our judgment. Do you believe this? If not, this is the good news of Christianity. God's Son brings God's blessing. And so come to him now. Submit to him. Turn away from your sin. Find forgiveness from the King who died to save. And do it today. And for us who do believe, Bless the Lord. Rejoice in him. He has given us the king we needed. So rejoice in him. Rest in him. Praise God for him. Live for him. Sacrifice your your time, money, talents for him. Sing songs of praise to him. And wait for his coming, when the whole earth will be filled with his glory. God's Son brings God's blessing. Amen and Amen. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we do thank and praise you for our King. We rejoice in him, knowing that he is good. He is kind. He is wonderful. And through him you have done wonderful things. You have brought us salvation. You have brought forgiveness of sin and life everlasting. Through him you have poured out your spirit into our hearts that we would cry, Abba, Father. And so, our Lord, may we truly live with you as our Lord, May we honour you with our lives. May we love you with all that we are and all that we have. We pray this 
in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm Jesse Walls from Eagle Hawk Presbyterian Church, and I pray you've been blessed as you've spent this time in God's Word. Next week, we'd love to have you join us in person for our service at 10am. I hope to see you there. And as always, if you'd like to make a comment on what you've heard today, you have a question, or you're looking for a church, then please get in contact with us. Our website is eaglehawkpc.org.au. You can also contact us through Facebook or Instagram. God bless you.